Right, we're rolling. On this podcast, we'll be talking about different areas of business and all things marketing. My name is Dave Doyle. And I'm Dave Alton. This is Social Antics, another marketing podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Social Antics, another marketing podcast. You're joined by myself, Dave Doyle, and my co-host, Dave Otten. Dave, how was your week? Yeah, not a bad week now, in fairness. Productive for a change. Productive, it's uh, a big word. Productive for a wage, yeah, for, for a wage, for a change. Um, so you know what's on your head anyway. Yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah, exactly. No project to work, it's just interesting. Um, classic COVID scenario, um, Good size retailer doing good business. Covid hit, can't do click and collect, can't do anything. Yep. Um, look to digitize. So it was about a six month project there, thereabouts. Some kind of start for a bit less, I suppose, maybe four months to from start to finish and um, launched last week. And um, it actually just showed the importance still of kind of personal branding and that local kind of relationship. Mm. Like we said, as I always do, soft launch. Make sure that the website's working grand with the EPOS system. Yeah, make sure that the stock system's in place, operationally, everything is sound. And um, um, worked a dream, a few grand to the website on day one. And it was all based on the relationship that the owner has with her client base in particular. Um, So it was was just, it was just interesting again. Like, I'm a big on, as you know, paid, 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 paid. Um, When people are searching intent, purchase, awareness, all of that through paid media. And um, it was one of the few examples that I've seen in recent years where seen a real tangible benefit from someone building up an audience mm. over time through kind of vlogs and things like that. So um, no, really, really, um, really good. Week. And were they not doing any online payments for or online transactions over before? the fo- over the phone, if you want to call it that? I mean, there was there was there was sales coming through the Facebook page, but not via e-commerce. As in, people would see something on the Facebook page, ring in can I put this to one side and I'll come in and whatever, but obviously that went up and smoked in when the, when the, when the with, pandemic hit. With or without the pandemic, I just can't picture many people doing that anymore. Very straight, yeah, very straight, but no, that's what a huge amount of the sales were. It's a great, because again, it's, it's, so it's a women's fashion brand, so you can tell I was vastly out of my depth okay, in terms yeah. of what I was doing. But like... You knew all the words, did you? I knew all, I was telling you there now when we were doing, when we were doing the descriptions for the website, it was very like, I mean, as opposed to I'll like... take your word it first. Was, I was like, yeah, what's that? It's a green dress. It's a green dress and it doesn't have any arms on it was the extent of my kind of, uh, my kind of knowledge in that regard. But, um, but no, it was just um, just interesting to see again a different different business models working for different types of organizations, I suppose. Good stuff. Um, thanks everyone for listening. Last week we had uh, Ray Kyo, content creator, on last week. Um, it was really really interesting to hear Ray's take on, I suppose, working with um, you know, sorry, a, a, a company working with a content creator, what you should do before you approach, you know, ways of thinking about how to tell your story through video. I just think it was a really really good chat to get someone like Ray on to talk about video. What you that was think? really good. Like I said last week creative is the differentiator nowadays when everyone's using the same the same channels to distribute the content the content is the is the um is is the differentiator there so no having someone like ray to to kind of again like i mean i think some people get very very worried when they don't have full ownership over the project marketers in particular yeah. whereas these guys creative directors whatever you want to call them these guys have the the eye to tell the story that you're looking to tell and I think just talking through some of Ray's experiences was um, hopefully useful for people. I think it definitely has to get to the stage when you're working with kind of guys like that. It's very much like 
sit back and and, uh, and watch. <laughs> Do you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let the magic happen. It's good. Um, I think there was a lot of kind of stuff popped up this week in terms of news. Uh, both of us kind of came with, I suppose, uh, you have a docket book full of stuff there anyway. So. We, we actually came prepared this week. It was actually impressive. Yeah, yeah. usually. It Hopefully get something out. Exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, the one that I kind of saw this week and it, it kind of speaks to something that we spoke about probably before Christmas now at this stage. Um, but in terms of TikTok and the future of social commerce or the future of e-commerce, mm-hmm. whatever way you want to describe it, um, via that particular platform, because look, we know the, and we don't need to remind anyone about the, the kind of explosive growth that TikTok has had recently in terms of users and um, active users and um, retention and so on and so forth. So the question is always, how are they going to monetize um, without ruining the platform, basically? And we kind of made a prediction that they were going to make, as opposed to it be more advertising, they try and embed some of the e-commerce functionality yeah. with the users. And that's exactly what they basically said that they're going to do. So what they're rolling Are out at the moment... we got a prediction right. We got a prediction right. We, got, we get loads of predictions right. We just don't... We just don't I have to go back and don't tell anyone exactly. <laughs> that was a good episode, actually. I don't know what it's called. So what happened? So basically what they are going to do is that they're going to allow users to embed links to products within their videos so if you're doing a whatever a dance video or something like that you can basically tag in the top of the jacket or the mm. runners that you were wearing or if you're doing a demo of a product review of a product or something like that you can tag in that product and then it may give you the ability to earn a commission based on the sales from your particular link so it's kind of reversing the old affiliate marketing yeah. model kind of in a way and um, now i suppose to me this is this is a better way to sell products via e-commerce right because it's not disrupting that experience and like we know with tiktok it's currently so successful because it's so addictive and if you start putting ads into that experience it can it, it will yeah, stall it's, it a bit it's better than a, a blatant ad graphic video or whatever it is it's just it's people you know you can there's probably going to be a little click section and they view the product yeah whatever, no you know. exactly and there's going to be a pop-up there so now the only thing they've got to watch out for is make sure it's not completely saturated because then people at the moment people are making content for the sake of the content Whereas if you have an ability to earn money and monetize yeah. as a as a creator, it, change, it changes the platform. It, ch- it changes the platform and does it become very very saturated with ads and does it like like at the moment because not a huge amount of brands are kind of using let's call them influencers on um, on TikTok. When I'm scrolling through TikTok, I'm still kind of like, oh, these guys are just really really good creators. There's not a huge amount of yeah. paid branding advertising going on there, whereas you do still get that with the likes of Instagram and so on and so forth. So that to me increases my enjoyment of the platform if again people start to change the way that they're behaving or acting or they start changing the content so it just becomes very very salesy then does that saturate the platform with content that you don't want and does that kind of hurt it a bit so them rolling it out is going to be very very important but like i'm excited because look as a marketer we've basically been saddled with adwords um, Instagram shopping and Facebook shopping for the last number of years and it's good to have something new to play with I think, basically yeah I think as you said like you know you already mentioned the fashion brand that you're working with I think marketers that are in that space are definitely going to be looking at TikTok to you know probably send out you know and look it's been happening on Instagram for ages you know they're going to send out items of clothing or clothing and say look if next time you're doing your dance wearing this gear or you know what next time you're doing you know you're cooking at home whatever the videos are you know there is a huge reach on TikTok do you know, it's just quite a kind of um, a heavy con- a heavy platform in terms of content creation. Like, it's not one for every business, but it's definitely an individual influencer kind of a no, platform. No, it's more you know? based on, yeah, people don't necessarily follow... Well, I found anyway, they don't follow brands. It's more that they follow topics yeah. and the topic and the, the actors within those topics tend to find people yeah. then via the algorithm. So that's interesting. And then 
Um, they also said that they're going to create a kind of a, a live shopping or a live streaming channel which will be built into TikTok itself. So it's almost digitizing QVC to a certain extent. Okay. So it's almost like teleshopping but on your um but on your phone. It sounds interesting. It sounds like innovating something which has been around for years and years. So again, that could be um that I could just, be interesting. I'd, I'd be fearful now that all oh, this it already sounds like nah, it's a fucking boring platform already. You know, yeah, I, it, and I don't, it, and it's, it's all fun. about the execution. Yeah. And um, the big thing here is for marketers, it might sound very very sexy, but ultimately it it's has to work user, for the, it has yeah. to work for the user. Um, and just a couple of stats. I got this from the um the FT. Um, which I basically read to make me seem smarter than I actually am, um, is that 40% of TikTok users don't actually have a Facebook account and 63% of TikTok users don't have a Twitter account. So it really, really shows the kind of change in mindset of your Gen Z it's your consumer. New, your new, it's your new users online. Oh, 100%. It, it, and that's, like, that would be a worrying stat for me if I was if I was the Zuck. Do you know what I mean? People not really interested in, in yeah. that kind of platform. So no, it's going to be, it's going to be a critical, like we said for ages, like there's, the whole social media ecosystem is ripe for disruption um, in terms of monetization. It's just who actually does and who does it right. We spoke about Clubhouse last week. Um, TikTok. In a while, yeah. So look, it's going to be really, really interesting to see what happens. But um, that's the first bit of um, bit of news. So that was interesting. Speaking about Clubhouse, I may as well go straight into it. So basically, Clubhouse got in a bit of hot water there over the last couple of days. Um, apparently, hackers got in and uh, there was a significant data breach basically on Clubhouse. So it's not looking well for this like it's a new platform it's straight I didn't hear that actually no I think it's only like literally yesterday or, or even today but basically um, so what happened was is that the app got hacked um, and third party uh, was streaming audio out of the platform onto third party apps and, okay. and, you know so but what is interesting about it is the fact that a lot of people might not know so that it the app's connection to China is very similar to TikTok basically it's rerouted everything is based on China systems right. so we had the issue there with TikTok and Trump and wanting to get rid of it and you know not operating in America and all this so that's basically if the Chinese government take an interest in Clubhouse we're going to have this or we're going to have the same situation that you know is it a data breach is it you know confidentiality gone all this kind of stuff like you know th- there's a lot of that kind of stuff popping up about Clubhouse so we only mentioned it last week you know should we be on it and stuff like that and we were talking about it during the week you know should we play around with it a bit like you know I haven't gone near it I personally don't know too much about it like but it's good no it is it it is it, i can see how it can work i really really do um it's not like podcasts where you kind of pick and choose things to listen in your own time and it's a uh, like they're the presenters they're talking and there's no interaction mm-hmm. this is very much discussion groups yeah and you can be and that's and that's the other problem is a lot apparently from what i read is a lot of them are live discussion groups they're all pretty much all of them are live. so yeah, the yeah. problem with that is now is it can't be monitored it can't be you know tracked you know or not that it tracked but it can't be monitored so god knows what they're going to end up talking about and that's when the government oh it's, like, it's live you know, it's live it's live like, radio again it's it's that scenario the pitfalls yeah. that come with that like do you know what i mean so but no i think i think it's Look, I think with all these things, when they start up, there's always people looking at the worst case scenario, what happens if someone comes in and starts shouting and roar. It's probably not going to happen in 99.999% of circumstances. So no, I've, and I'm kind of like you, I haven't really looked at the platform probably as much as I should have um, up until now. Um, But it seems to be generating a huge amount of traction. Like I was reading something earlier on where they're basically saying, 
it might be a, a very very quick exit for the for the shareholders where they could get purchased by someone like a Twitter or something like that. Yeah, and um, then it'll be it'll be part of their ecosystem. Then like yeah, Facebook and it actually, I actually I actually I actually it could work very very well with Twitter because Twitter is very much is more news focused than some of the other social platforms. Having it as a discussion portal, I think I think that could really really suit um it could suit the Twitter brand. So no, it's gonna be interesting to see how that company develops. I think though any kind of bad news like that that comes out very early days in an app can be off-putting now the other side of that is would that kind of news be off-putting to say for example a user audience like TikTok no. are they reading it, it doesn't no. get, they don't give a shit they keep on it like, yeah you know, no so. I think I think we're we're now so and I'm doing a little bit of research on this myself at the moment um with the university where I'm kind of interested in this idea of consumer surveillance mm. But it's getting to the point where we now all kind of accept, there's almost surveillance acceptance, where we all know that our data has been captured and we're quite happy to be the product because we're now more educated about how our data is using or we at least think that we're more, well, we more educated about our data week, is using. You know, or, or the week before, sorry, about you know, paying for Twitter and you know, yeah, yeah, having yeah. the platforms a bit more secure that way maybe. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think it just I think people nowadays are kind of wise enough to realise that, look, if you're not paying for something, you're the product. Now, data breaches and stuff like that obviously aren't. They're mm. not a good starting point, you know, because you don't want people knowing what you're listening to John particularly now when you've got people if they're listening to political podcasts yeah. you know and if that was released oh was that per, that person was listening yeah. to that political podcast you know like even there during the week um um or before during the the uh, the presidential election I logged into Parler which is essentially like the right wing social media network and I just wanted to see what it was what it was like more than anything else but I wouldn't want like it popping up that oh, Dave Alton's on bloody parlor, like you know what I mean? Like and he's a he's a subscriber to Breitbart as well, like you know what I mean? It's not so again, th- like privacy issues I think are they're more headlined than the actual impact, but you wouldn't want it happening very often. And as well as that too, like with something like Clubhouse, like there's no credit card details on there, it's email addresses and maybe a bit of activity. It's not it's not a major breach, realistically. Um, another bit of news that caught my attention I think it came out yesterday was did you realise we have a bit of competition now as in the, the podcast the podcast a oh, serious competition oh, I'm sure who, who was after freaking uh, previous president Barack Obama and Bruce Springsteen are after partnering up for a special 8 series podcast uh, series um, basically it's in-depth discussion between the two friends I think it's really interesting to see it's basically on the back of uh, production um Barack and Michelle Obama's production company, they basically signed uh, an exclusive... What's it called? Renegade or something? It's called Renegade, it's a, yeah, yeah. it's a good name. It's, it's a brilliant. much better name than Social I, list- I listened to... I listened to um, I listened to it was, it's very, that compared to some of the stuff we have is a lot better yeah, right? that we've never yeah, mentioned too, yeah. um, but basically they signed an exclusive deal with Spotify in 2019 so like we obviously have heard about Michelle Obama's podcast being out there it's been you know getting featured on the top of Spotify but I think this is really good really cool artwork they brought out a trailer for it um, I listened to about half of it today I have to listen to the rest of it but it's actually a really nice just chat between two guys it's actually not massively overproduced it's actually really good but it's actually what was brilliant if you listen to the first episode within the first 10 seconds he attacks Trump to be fair to Obama and he still got it like like production value there's very few people like in terms of public speaking communication oh, really, yeah. he's just a different I actually watched um, I watched something um I watched something recently enough and it was an interview with um, Obama's old speechwriter. Oh yeah. And 
like okay the speechwriter obviously needs to take the ideas and mm. communicate them but like just the, the the stream of thought and the way that he was talking about how Obama understands culturally economically he knows his audience and he knows what is gonna yeah. trigger certain emotional reactions with that audience depending on what he says a very 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 um intelligent incredible yeah. communicator between that now and the book and everything he's doing is fantastic but the reason why I brought that up is following on from that then in terms of Spotify news um another bit of Spotify news uh, yesterday or today was that they're looking to make podcasts Spotify obviously they're making to, they're looking to make podcasts a bigger focus with new tools to translate written content into audio feeds so basically they're looking at partnering up with WordPress and they'll actually be turning written blog posts into audio content so it's just a new form of actually getting content out there it's interesting to see how they do it I don't want it to be Makes very sense. much you know um text or you know uh, text to speech kind of you know they have to actually get someone probably reading it to make it listenable i suppose but um yeah this is something they're looking to do um they're looking to partner up with anchor which is the the, the podcast hosting uh, platform and and this new way they're going to bring um written work out to wider audiences but another thing they're looking at doing in the coming months is they're going to enable more creators to add videos to the podcast it's currently available to some like music artists you know you can see their their music videos yeah. or whatever or just a bit of kind of moving graphics in the background but they're looking at bringing in a lot more videos and they're going to look at bringing in q a features they're going to look at bringing in polls so i think they're trying to make spotify an actual nearly a social platform yeah it's itself. all there spotify at the moment are all about vertical integration and by that i mean they want to own content so yeah. that's not on Apple Music, it's just on Spotify. Like you saw there with them, is it the Joe Rogan? I was literally podcast? just about yeah. to bring it up. So like Joe they, Rogan, they basically purchased that. They did for over. They paid over a hundred million. Like imagine, I'm waiting for our phone call. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm, even I'm, if I got I'm pretty one. sure since they announced that that their stock price gone up like eighty percent. Oh, it's, not it's gone So they done they done an exclusive deal so far. The big ones are you have Michelle Obama, you have Joe Rogan, and you had Kim Kardashian around the same time as Joe Rogan. Obviously, you know, all up there in the same there's caliber. A, there's a spread there. Isn't <laughs> <laughs> former president of the United States vice president or first lady first lady first lady um, soon to be possibly yeah, first yeah, yeah, yeah. but basically yeah yeah he was paid over 100 million for exclusivity but if you go and look at his channel which I actually found myself during the week actually watching a few of the videos I've seen them before but I was watching them on Spotify because he has the videos embedded in his yeah, one. Yeah. So all the old content is there, all the old... It's, fo- a like- ni- it's a nicer view. Even something small, and look, I'm, I'm using an older iPhone, but like even something small that if I'm listening to something on um, Spotify and I come out of it, it keeps on playing. If yes. I'm doing that on YouTube, it yeah, cuts that it. My head, yeah. And it's, 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 actually, it's very, very frustrating if you just want to just check Twitter or, or whatever the case may be. It, it doesn't allow you to kind of double job, yeah. if that makes any sense. Little things like that that Spotify and, have just got, got right. And that's the reason why I wasn't massively interested in even looking at the YouTube premium, you know, to be able to come out with the screen and all that. But now that like, I pay for Spotify, now that the fact that, as you said, I can do that, I can come out with the platform, still listen, it's not going to interrupt what I'm listening to. Spotify are winning for me in terms of the the, the audio listening. yeah and it's going to open up a, again like would you use you you I, I use Android you use Apple um do you listen to would you use Apple uh, music at all like would you listen to anything no, no. you no. just use purely Spotify yeah isn't? I don't have any I, I've tried it I tried it I think in the early days of it and I didn't like it whereas Spotify was just simple yeah I just liked it um but from a, a marketing perspective I think it's interesting as well so I actually gave this example in class a number of um. A number of a uh, number of weeks ago, we're talking about how marketers need to just reorientate 
how they think about reaching audiences within kind of attention economy and things like that. And I gave two examples of ads which had, um, which were good ads in terms of they had all of the, the cultural codes, yeah. the right messaging and all the rest. So really, really good ads. One of them was built for television. And then there was the ad that Coca-Cola made a number of years ago with them. Um, they partnered with Avicii, mm-hmm. which was the Taste the Feeling song. Yeah. And it showed the direct difference between the two. One of them was just an ad, whereas the other one was the exact same ad, but they partnered with someone like Avicii. And then they're basically getting free advertising every time someone watches that video on Spotify. Like, no one's going to search for a Coca-Cola ad, but they'll search for an Avicii song. And then they get the association yeah. via the song in and of itself. So... I think that the, the, the concept that we use for in academic terms is this idea of kind of transmedia marketing where you kind of kind of embed messages without realizing that you're embedding messages yeah. across multiple different devices and multiple different um, viewing behaviors of the consumer and so on and so forth. So the I think those kind of things like embedding the video into, into Spotify and the increase in vertical integration in terms of them producing their own content or at least getting exclusivity on content could make them a really really interesting um a really interesting marketing tool going but even forward. for for like what we do here like you know we we tossed with the idea not that we want to fucking see ourselves on camera but we tossed the idea of doing oh, the video we wouldn't do that <laughs> we tossed the idea of doing video you know and doing the stuff on youtube um and we stuck with just podcasts because it was easier but like now if we look at we can still do the video thing we can do the audio thing and it's all on spotify it's another avenue that might be of interest to people like you know they kind of say video audio is taken over but the fact now spotify is still offering both with un- uninterrupted media you know you're getting the ball i think it's it's just fantastic like so i think that's going to really really skyrocket them to another level of uh, people wanting to use them yeah no interesting and now that you're actually after speaking about um subscription services and oh, kind I don't of a good link, did you I? did a, accidentally <laughs> but yeah you did somehow or another um Disney Plus uh, today in the UK and Ireland launched uh, Star Plus, which is their um, entertainment brand, which is, I think it's a real game changer in terms of Disney really going to start to, like, they're already obviously competing with the likes of Netflix and Prime, but this gives them a completely new audience, I think, to go after. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's going to be really, really interesting to see how the streaming wars goes over the next um, over the next number of uh, next number of months. So, what is the difference between Star Plus and Disney Plus? So basically, so Disney Plus has your your obviously your Disney, your classic Disney, um, Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, um, National Geographic, yeah. and then Star Plus is basically a category within that which for want of a better word is kind of um, classic movies and series. So Scandal is in there, 24, the Jack Bauer series. Um, other, I, I don't know what other films So like stuff there. that's not necessarily actually owned by Disney or Pixar. Correct, yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's more it's more generic, shall so we say. So they're really going after yeah, Netflix yeah. So, and Amazon. So they, so they basically today, now um, any um, subscriber to Disney Plus basically has access to, I think it was over 75 new series and wow. 300 movies. And there's four original productions built into that as well. So... You can see how they did, like, they did, to be fair, they did need to expand the content. Like, I got Disney Plus when it came out, but I found myself going to Disney Plus for very, very specific things. Mm-hmm. So, Mandalorian, for Star example, Wars. Star Wars, whatever the story, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but I wouldn't, if I was sitting at home and I wanted to binge, yeah. I would go to Prime or I, I, would go to, I would go to Netflix. Whereas now, I would be more inclined to actually start gravitating over to, to, to Disney Plus um, to see what's actually on there, do you know? What I found was interesting they done during the week is they actually started, or maybe it was last week, they started advertising the new Marvel video or the Mar- Marvel film, but they're advertising it as a trailer within Disney Plus. Yeah. But 
it's not till next year. So what I think they're going to do is they're going to release it purely on Disney Plus. But obviously, what's going to happen now is everyone's going to sign up to Disney Plus just to watch the film. Gee, I think it's, it's a genius play. It's, it's genius because it's, it's the one thing that Netflix but and Prime don't have. They like they have original content, but they don't have any of the big brand names like yes, the Marvels, not the to MCU, drag you in. Star Wars. Yeah. Um, there's uh, there's others as well. I'm sure that they have. Um, um, and they've got ESPN as well. Yeah. Um, so. Like if you can combine exclusive original content with with the big blockbuster yeah. films, and you can get live sports in there as well, which they'll have with ESPN, then all of a sudden you can see Disney being kind of viewed as this kind of kiddie kind of a child platform into being. No, this is a serious player yeah. now within the market. Well, it's going to totally disrupt um, uh, cinemas. It's going to totally like I think that all these channels will start taking more and more films out of the cinema like you know you're not going to have those big blockbuster um records anymore you're not going to have the big numbers seeing the film so i just think it's it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a clever way basically to get people onto your platforms oh yeah no 100 like i think i think when we come out of this people are going to crave experiences so therefore you are going to see a massive spike in cinema tickets and so on and so forth but i think over time we've seen cinema attendances decline anyway and this is just another way that that's going to happen but you can imagine like if you thought if you even think Star Wars for example when that was released last year could Disney have legitimately charged even if you had the subscription but you had the subscription could you legitimately charge 50 quid a household to get Star Wars 24, 48 hours before everyone else absolutely you could and you you would have gotten that money as well now on top of that then and speaking of experiences Obviously, Disney also have access to your theme parks, your holidays, all this type of stuff as well. So, if you're a Disney Plus subscriber, and I've, I read this in, I think it might have been the FT again, actually, um, a number of weeks ago, could you have a scenario where, okay, you're a Disney Plus subscriber, does that also mean that you get first dibs when there's a new Harry Potter land opens up in, yeah. in Orlando, Florida, or in, um, in Euro Disney, or whatever the case is? So, there's so many opportunities here for them to expand this kind of subscriber model to get people hooked into not just their um films but some of their other core product offerings as well basically was there anything else that popped up for you this week there was something that annoyed me for a change that's not a change no that's <laughs> not a change to be fair so i was coming across to be fair you actually said to be fair you actually sent on to this to me and it was an article by uh, anna lewis um and the headline of the article was Cadbury forced to release a statement after 25,000 people sign a petition to ban cream egg advert. Now, whenever I hear ban advert, I'm going, oh, brilliant. What did they do now? And there's something <laughs> exciting to talk about. This was actually who, the complete Basically, yeah. So I'll read, I'll read the first few paragraphs of the, um, of the article. Earlier this year, Cadbury released an advert to celebrate the cream egg's golden goobly... God help us. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Oh, you would, would you? For God's sake. AKA our favourite uh, fondant stuff, Eggs 50th birthday. The advert showcased a number of different ways to enjoy cream eggs. You can lick them, bake with them, dip them, and share them. But unfortunately, the final option has offended a number of people, and a petition has been launched to ban the advert. In the advert, God forbid. Real-life couple Callum Sterling and Dale Moran, I have no idea who these people are, share a cream egg by both biting it at the same time, but because Callum and Dale are gay, 25,000 people have decided the advert should be banned. 
25,000 people took time out of their day <laughs> to complain about two fellas lobbing the gob on each other. And I actually, what, no, I have to say, the ad actually isn't that great, but that's not the point yeah. here at all. Cadbury's tried their best. Like, you'd yeah. swear, by the way, people were going on that they were mauling the face off each other. All they were doing was Lady in the Tramp style with a cream egg. That's essentially what it was. <laughs> I don't agree with that. Cadbury's or cream egg should not be shared. Like I'm partial to a cream egg now. Self. I thought, I was wondering where you were going there. I was like, oh, this is going to get, this is going to get, this <laughs> there'll be another petition launch to take us off the air but no I mean seriously people just need to cop yeah, on and grow up we've talked Jesus about it here before Christ. about um, you know advertising and the way it's or not advertising but branding having to be changed because of you know people finding offence to it we talked about Uncle Ben's in one of the first episodes um, but everyone is offended by everything if you yeah. are talking to an audience of 10 people or a thousand people someone, someone is going to be offended by something and this isn't something that you should be allowed to be offended by it's absolutely com- and like what I would have loved is if Cadbury's came out and just released the press release and goes, lads, would you ever go fuck yourselves, basically? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, just like, because then there's the so problem have, is then... Have they, got, then have they deleted it? I don't, I don't think they have. Like, in fairness... Oh, I no, they haven't taken it down, but they released a statement and it was... Yeah, enjoyed. Sure. It probably went through legal and it went through whatever. I haven't actually seen that. I haven't actually Some read poor PR fair. fella shitting himself. Oh, basically, <laughs> what do I have to do now? Like, do you know what I mean? But get no, in, I was in, absolutely... <laughs> and then and then on the other side then there was another argument there that's saying that there was also members of the LGBT community were giving out because it was it was the over sexualization of individuals okay. and I was kind of going and they were basically saying oh this wouldn't happen if it was a straight couple and I was like have you watched a Lynx ad recently that's all they are scantily clad women falling from the sky dressed as angels that's essentially what Lynx ads are so no, it was just one of those where I read the story and I was like for so many reasons this shows once again that people are just fucking stupid like do you know what I mean it's just just not everyone just 25,000 just 25,000 people who took time out of their clearly very very busy schedules to complain about this like you know Um, but yeah no, I hope they don't take it down. I hope they stick to their goals. They won't. They shouldn't know. take it down for fuck's sake. No, no, they should change. The ad isn't great. Like, it's not a great <laughs> ad in and of itself. Not for that reason. Just in general, it wasn't a great ad. I was looking at it, I was kind of going, where is this going kind of a thing? And then I was like, oh yeah, Grandja, yeah. it's not a very good ad, but there's still no reason to go about it. Um, another bit of news that popped up for me this week was basically after the capital siege over in America, Google put a ban in place of all political advertising. They announced oh, this. That's too wild. Too wild. Yeah, there. yeah. The the, the twenty five thousand people that that done that were probably the people that done this. They the probably they, 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 they wanted the votes back. <laughs> oh, for God's sake! But basically, um, yeah, basically, Google has begun letting advertisers know that it's lifting the ban on political ads in the US, uh, which it implemented last month because of the the capital siege, basically. So we're going to start seeing that kind of political advertising coming back in again, like you know. But look, I think no matter how much you ban the physical advertising political movements happen and political advertising happens where it's organic or paid it happens do you know no matter what bans you put in place it, yeah it does but it's when look we, we like political movements happen but obviously these platforms are a vehicle to amplify lies hate spin yeah. propaganda so like there has to be some controls there we've, we've got look like, we won't brush up yeah we won't rate you over this again um because people are probably bored of us giving out about you Trump can find us on uh, and you can others. find us on spotify on apple and amazon and, and, and all back. other good social media <laughs> podcast platforms what has popped up for you this week um an interesting one kind of so 
we've mentioned it previously that actually related in relation to the political advertising and stuff like that as well. We basically said, look, you can't really trust platforms or big tech to make any of the right decisions for society because they're predominantly, they're, they're of all the stakeholders that they care about, the shareholders are their primary stakeholder, they, who they are interested in rightly or wrongly, and often that is to the detriment of society. And again, rightly or wrongly, we're living in a capitalist society, whatever, make your own argument there. <laughs> but we made, we kind of made the point that it has to be political institutions that basically force these companies to behave in a certain way. Otherwise, they are not going to change because there's no reason for them to change effectively. And as long as they can keep an increasing shareholder value, ultimately, why would they Why would they change if you're, again, looking at something from a kind of a dogmatic, capitalistic market revenue-generating lens? So the Supreme Court in the UK um, yesterday basically ruled that Uber drivers are now entitled to workers' rights, including um, receipt of the classified minimum wage, which changes Uber drivers from being classified as gig workers or contractors to, to actual being to employees. being employees, which is completely which is okay it doesn't change anything because this court case was just in relation to 25 i think it was ex uber drivers so the court case only applies to them but it sets a precedent going forward if there is any changes to law or if there is any other drivers that want to take a case it the precedent has now been set that no you are entitled to, to workers rights and minimum wage and stuff like that um Uber came out and basically doubled down saying this is not applying to the rest of our contractors. They're contractors. They choose to be contractors. And since then, we've also improved our benefits. Like we've given people insurance. You know, like if you're driving around on a bike, you could probably do with a bit of insurance kind of thing. Like, you know, <laughs> so Uber are doubling down and they're saying, and it makes sense for them to do this. Look, their business model is entirely predicated off algorithmic management, whereby your demand is directly matched by the supply of labour, labour being a yeah. massive cost of businesses. So therefore, it's a way to supplement that, um, not supplement it, but to, to match that directly with the demand for um, from the consumer. So like if this comes in as a law, either in the UK or elsewhere, it's going to completely decimate like the, the Deliveroo's, um, the Uber Eats, the Ubers of this world. That whole business model is completely crippled if this is applied to all of those to all of those workers. So it's going to be interesting to see how that develops over the over the next kind of couple it's of months. Really change, like like a lot of these companies have been setting up on that model. You oh know, yeah, new companies. Yeah. You know, we've, we've like, it's not in it's not directly um related, but the likes of even your Airbnbs and all these kind of crowds. They're sharing all sharing economy kind they're, of yeah, yeah, they're yeah all yeah. this gig economy, sharing economy, all this kind of stuff. If there's a fear that the law and the legislation is going to change it's a lot of these companies won't set up because you know the, the risks are back involved the labor is back involved the workforce is back involved so it's totally going to change that whole model but as a financial there's now a new financial and even beyond look like i've been on the board of directors of a number of companies and like one thing that i hate doing is hr i hate it like hr exists to protect the organization not to protect the employee which is a fallacy that everyone thinks oh i'll go to hr and talk to them about my problems yeah, do not go to hr <laughs> exactly yeah but um but you can imagine again even with a workforce that size and having kind of contracts and certain legal stipulations and then you've got your minimum hour issues you've got if someone is working with you for a certain amount of yeah. time does that mean that they've got permanency all of these issues kind of come to the fore if the if this is actually kind of ruled into law for the mass and now again it's only 25 workers at the moment ex-workers so this isn't like cardinal law or anything like that yet but um 
it shows the mindset, I suppose, of some of the institutions of, of, of state, not my state, now the UK state, but the um, in terms of where their thought process is in terms of these kind of gig economy organisations, shall we say. And look, I think something, look, I think something does have to be done. Like even we saw there in, um, across Dublin a number of weeks ago, there was a huge issue with um, drivers being attacked um, by youths, yeah. teenagers and stuff like that. Like, like these guys are working in tough, tough conditions you know what I mean and I think whatever about the pay that you're getting and you choose to work the flexible hours and stuff like that the least you deserve are some basic human um, or employee employee protections that the rest of us are afforded basically you know so look it's going to be interesting I think think, look I think it's a good thing hopefully it's expanded but um, it's going to be interesting without really analysing the economic impact on the organisations, most of these organisations are making a loss anyway, um, it's going to be interesting to see how this develops. Mm. Another bit of news that popped up for me this week is, right, we've both worked on apps together. Uh, oh, we know, have, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we've worked on um, apps together, whereas, you know, the, the marketing side, our development side, I know you're working on one at the moment. Yeah. It's not the easiest... Um, path to success, I suppose. Dog, you know, eat, dog eat world, simple as that. Your mate, like, I find... And it's it's incredible. So, with normal companies, shall we say, if there is such thing as a normal company, product, rapid and branding, and like the majority of your kind of cost going to stock management, infrastructure, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. When you're looking for people to download an app and keeping it, there are so many moving parts because people might go back to a business a second time. If you download an app and delete it, you will not go back to that app no. again. So having everything absolutely right yeah. from a tech security, we mentioned Clubhouse earlier on, um, you've one chance at product it, offering, the hook, the trigger, all of these different things that we look at when we're looking to build a kind of a an app ecosystem, shall we say, makes it an incredibly um, an it incredibly became, challenging. It became kind of trend there for a while. I went to the news piece there, I mean, it became it became a kind of trend there for a while that we get an app. You know, well, every business wanted an app, everything. You know, and there was, was no business model behind it. No. It was always an idea for the end consumer as opposed to thinking for a quick second, how do we actually monetize this yeah. goddamn thing? No, there is, I think there's fantastic platforms. Like I was only actually speaking there during the week to to the guy I go to the personal train. Like, you know, he's kind of setting up all his back back end stuff at the moment, just getting ready for when we come out of lockdown again. But he's on this app called My PT Hope, basically, right? Yeah. But you can pay for a further level up that gives you your own platform you know so many users on it it's a direct communication platform you're updating your metrics but the other side of it is he can upload his branding into it and now you have his icon and his name on your phone as an app you know these kind of personalized apps Royal, are Royal great in the app yeah no there's, a, there's an actually an ex-student of mine uh, Ryan who set up a company called oh, Jetfit yeah. I think they're going for funding series series um, um, they're going for funding at the moment and um the same kind of concept and same kind of idea but again what I kind of thought was good about that is that I remember speaking to Ryan about this years ago now well, he's probably out of college now three years at this that, stage that's kind of like it's almost like a booking system isn't it for gyms it's a booking system but similar to what you said there it gives you access to a particular so it's, it's, par, it's part marketplace but then part um, kind of trainer management now I haven't I don't use a personal trainer. I may, <laughs> he may have completely changed the app since, but my understanding of it was it gave you that dual focus of yeah. you have your own hub, but then also access to a kind of a marketplace. And um, 
what I liked about that from the start is that he came from that background, so he actually understood the challenges as opposed to this abstract idea of, oh, this will be useful for people that are actually doing the research. But those kind of apps work, right? Those kind of individual apps for an individual business. Whereas if you go down the street and you have 10 food apps, order the food through my app, through order through my app, or you know, next thing you have 10 different restaurant apps. No, I have Deliveroo, I have Just Eat, yeah, I have all these, fuck off and leave me yeah. alone, right? They don't work, I think. And you and know, ba- we've and Bamba. And, and Bamba, like, that's your company. one. We haven't launched it yet. There for Bamba. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I'm sure we'll do a whole episode we on Bamba. Yeah, once we get, once we, once um, once we're actually allowed operate properly, because um, in case people haven't noticed, we're in lockdown at the moment. So uh, <laughs> there's no order and drink. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, but the reason why I brought this one up was another self-made billionaire happened during the week. You know, another one. Was it you? What? It wasn't me. No. I'd be sitting here talking to you if I was self-made billionaire. Yeah. Basically, Bumble, uh, another dating platform, basically. Uh, but Whitney Wolf Hurd is her name. She's a self-made female billionaire. After this week, she's aged thirty-one, and she is now worth about one point five billion. After oh that. my god, what would you do? One point five billion? Imagine just looking in and seeing that in the bank. Seeing it in your in your Revolut yeah. account. You'd be afraid to go buy a bar of chocolate, like you know. Why would you just spend my money? <laughs> but basically, at twenty, she started her first business selling tote bags from bamboo, and you know she was involved in loads of clothing brands, fashion lines, building her way up. She at twenty two she joined Hatch Labs, which as we know is a kind of a startup incubator, a fairly well known one, and quickly led to her transition to kind of development team for this little known app called Tinder. Basically ah, she worked okay. up she was on the initial development stages of Tinder. Okay. Two years later it didn't go too well when she left the company, um it was basically through a difficult time she had there, it was publicly brought a lawsuit against them. Uh, atrocious sexual harassment and sex discrimination sex discrimination was basically what the, the course was it's not a great look for a dating app really is it's it? not really no um, and what was worse was it was against her former boss and ex-boyfriend as well at the time so of it course. wasn't great so but basically and on um, this week's episode of EastEnders <laughs> but I actually never heard of this um, until I read all this but um, basically the company did not, of course denied the accusation they settled out of court she received about 1 million and decided then to go and set up uh, a new venture and she bought this bumble um of another person she she didn't come up with the initial idea it was actually by a russian billionaire um he set up badu which is another kind of dating site um and basically she took over the helm of bumble and eventually you know bought it out they also own a thing called bumble biz and bumble bff basically it's a, a kind of curse career change kind of thing and meet collaborators and meet mentors and all that kind of stuff but basically, yeah, this week she decided to put it up publicly, up on the IPO, and I think you found out that it was about $8 billion, $8 billion, yeah. I think they wanted to initially IPO at, was it $23, and they ended up IPOing at 43 or something That's like insane. that. And it was, it was, yeah, they, 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 I think they doubled the amount of capital they wanted to raise. But I don't have the exact figures in front of me, it was something like that. Well, anyway, according to Bloomberg now, out of the 500 wealthiest people in the world, a few of them are 5%... Self-made women, but she's up there now, basically. Um, and as I said already, she's an estimated worth one point five billion. Fair play to her. Look, it's a good, it's a good, it's a good, it's a good news story, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and I think as well, what what I think is very, very interesting there is probably through her own, and we can talk about. I'm a demon for in terms of data and research mm-hmm. and all this type of stuff, but that was clearly kind of born almost out of her own, for want of a better phrase, personal experience, shall we say, in terms oh, of yeah, the well, culture the whole... of Tinder. And then for her to bring it into and Bumble is where the she female has to exactly. has to the female first. has to basically interact first, like and say okay. yes or no, get away from me, kind of you're a creep and stop stalking me, that kind of an okay. attitude. So yeah, she totally changed the model and she made it po- totally around empowerment women. Kind of that was the basis of the of the app. So 
Uh, yeah, look in fairness, it's you know it's obviously is a great brand, um, you know strong branding with it as well, and obviously worth an absolute fortune now. So yeah, 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 she yeah, can yeah. retire happy. No, it's an interesting, interesting, and again, it's just it's amazing taking an app concept like Tinder and just tweaking it, mm-hmm. oh ever so slightly, and all of a sudden you open yourself up to an entirely an entirely new market. Those those dating, I was actually looking. There was a report came from Hootsuite actually during the week, mm. which I haven't had time to digest. Is that properly. the digital report? Yeah, 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 oh, yeah. Fantastic. And um, it was actually looking at, and I think the like Tinder was very high on that list actually in terms of monetization mm. for an app. Um, and you've got other apps like that coming out as well recently, doing quite well. Hinge, uh, Bumble, obviously doing very, yeah. very well. So it's a. Uh, that's funny. It's an ecosystem that I haven't treated. Really, like, they're doing well. They're doing well in an environment that we can't date. <laughs> like, you know, it's 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 an interesting. Oh, stop, yeah, <laughs> fuck yeah. Anyone anyway, within five kilometers too close. Too, too close, close. Too close. Too close. Have you been quarantined? I know. Yeah. Have you? Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a questionnaire now, instead of swiping. But um, my favorite news story this week, I think. Disinfect yourself there, would you? <laughs> That's enough of that now before you get yourself in trouble. Um, my favourite news article this week was I, sp- I spotted actually in the Irish Times today was Elon Musk satellites to beam high speed broadband to Kerry Valley oh, the, of black, course. The, sure. the Black Valley in Kerry sure where else would a multi richest man in the world want yeah, he to always set on Kerry like, um, say, that's what I'd say they have their finger in this somewhere yeah. I'd say like that uh, but basically um, he's putting satellites up and this place hasn't you know they didn't see the arrival of electricity until the 1970s apparently but now they're on route to getting high speed satellite uh, broadband but um, what was interesting I found was nearly a third of all Kerry homes and businesses do not have quality broadband service of any kind at the moment but the national broadband plan in Ireland that's being rolled out uh, is going to take about 7 years to roll out um, same, same as the vaccines <laughs> same as the vaccines <laughs> but you think about it, what's going to happen in the next seven years in terms of broadband I think it's going to be far outdated by the time they roll that out no, like, I know, if, if Elon always... has done this in a couple of years do you know um, it's, 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 it's way too we're just way behind in terms yeah. of like it, it is I, I'm, I, I, look I worked in telecommunications for a bit it is quite a complicated thing but the timelines here like it ultimately this comes down to cost benefit you know oh, yeah. like X amount of the percentage of the population fine but like in Kerry for our international listeners, you could have, in a several acre radius, you could have very, very few people and then you have to build a huge infrastructure facility for those people. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be doing it, but you can see the complications that arise well, as I a result of it. Well, I think they seriously have to rethink it now because of COVID. It's made everyone work at home. So people are not congregating to the big cities like, you know, Cork, Galway, Limerick, whatever it is. Oh, you know, COVID, COVID has been a great equaliser in terms of kind of exposing some of the inequalities or injustices in society as far as I'm concerned. Like, I mean, if you even take the, um, if you take kids now, for example, um, uh, who are all being homeschooled at the moment. Mm-hmm. If you have a family who's living in a decent, say, suburban house, all the kids have a laptop each, um, good broadband, all the rest of it. Those kids have a pretty good education, re- like relative yeah. to what's going on in the world at the moment. If you're in a house where you might be sharing, or kids might have to use their phones, or you've only got one computer, maybe you're in an area with bad broadband, a lot of those kids probably haven't been receiving any education, or at least it's a very, very substandard one since COVID hit, basically. So, again, those kind of inequalities tend to expose themselves when you have something like a pandemic happening where like I mean what you earn is very much like like if you even I give the example if you're living up in the countryside in a big house and you've got your own home office and your own little yeah. entertainment system and all the rest of it 
like you haven't had a you've had a pretty decent living during this COVID lockdown. Okay, you're frustrated and all that stuff, but ultimately it's still a decent living. If you're living in an apartment with four other people and you're all on top of each other, or you're you're a family and you're all in whatever um a house and you're all sharing computers and laptop, that's a nightmare scenario. Do you know what I mean like I'm very lucky in terms of my living arrangements around this? Because if I was in a space where it was noisy, bustling, couldn't get brought, but I'd go fucking ballistic. I'd have gone like I'm lecturing. Like, lect- <laughs> I can't lecture if I'm in Kerry and Elon Musk hasn't installed his satellites dial, yet. Dial-up dial is, is not going for you. Yeah, and his yeah. teams can barely cope with me as it is. Never mind, um, never mind anything else, like, you know. So, no, I think, look, it's, again, I don't know, um, I don't know a huge amount, um, again, I don't know a huge amount about what, um, what um, Mr. Musk is doing, but I'm sure, um, I'm sure, as you said, I'm sure the Healy Rays will be talking about him the dawn next week, oh, saying sure, how a great yeah, man yeah. he is looking after man, the parish. Himself and John Delaney, yeah. cut from the same cloth. Right, well, I think that's all the news that we have for this week, is it? There's a lot. We covered a lot did, there. Yeah. There was almost too much. Too much. How how long is the episode so far? We're, I, well, it depends on the music and stuff like that, but we're after getting over the 45 minutes. Well, there. that's not bad. That's all right. So that's all right. Keep that's, people listening that's, for a little that's, bit. that's about right, I think. That's yeah, enough yeah. of us anyway for this week. So thanks very much, everyone, for listening. Follow us on social. Uh, keep up to date. And we'll talk to you again next week. Talk to you later.